Let's begin. Let's begin. Welcome to the Three on Five podcast. My name is Matt Hoy. I am your captain on this beautiful NBA ship metaphor, which we're bringing back. And I'm doing it to see how Jerry reacts. Uh, so far, it's with a sad, frowny biscuit. Jerry Sotak, my co-host, how are we today? Uh, the rope on the that ties the anchor to like the ship is a little bit frayed, so I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. Are you aware of that rope? Because in this metaphor, you are the anchor? Yes. Yep. I bring all of us down. Keep us in place, though. That's good. Got to keep those egos small. Phil Coppage is my other co-host. With me, as always. Phil, how are you? I'm fine. I didn't realize this ship with an engine room had a, a seaworthy anchor, but, you know, I get better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. I guess this kind of demonstrates my ignorance about ships. I assumed even, like, aircraft carriers had anchors. Well, he thinks we're a spaceship. Oh, got it. <laughs> I see. I see. Which probably, you know, might still have an anchor, like a, a gra- gravity anchor. Yeah, or one of those. Like that. One of those space anchors. Well, like GameStop stock, this podcast is on its way to the moon, folks. Yeah. Is it too it's late to make stay, that joke? It's going to stay that way. Yeah. I think it is too late to make that joke. Yeah, but. Stonks only go up. Speaking of things that only go up, uh, Mark Cuban's blood pressure. I don't have a sound effect board. That's where I would have included a doodunch, but I I don't have one. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that was that was my attempt at a segue. So now that we've successfully segued to this topic, uh, Mark Cuban calling out Zach Lowe because Zach called Luka Doncic a whiner. Mark Cuban's exact words were uh, "fuck you, Zach Lowe." Uh, and I don't want to get this wrong, so I'm going to read it. Yep, you don't know shit. That's that's what he said to him. Uh, elevating the discourse is Mark Cuban. Uh, Phil, as he always does. As, as he always does, that's right, in, in all walks of our lives. Phil, you, I think, found this particularly uh, telling, do you care to you care to entertain us with your idea about what this might mean for the Dallas Mavericks? Well, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but Cuban Cuban does get a little spicy at times, but usually it's with the refs or with Adam Silver or David Stern, uh, R.I.P. But um, he doesn't usually do this with journalists and. I think it's a little bit telling that he got this aggressive uh, over a comment from Zach, who's highly regarded around the league and um, makes me think maybe there's, maybe he's protecting Luca because Luca, Luca might be a little sensitive to this stuff. If he's going out of his way to, I mean, not, not just um, deny what Zach is saying, but slander him like that on yeah. a, a major forum like Jamila Hill's show. So I don't think there's much to make of it right now, but it's 
I think worth keeping an eye on because that that was uh, surprising to me. So do you think that Cuban's doing it just to protect Luca's ego or because he's afraid that if Luca gets this kind of attention, he's going to demand out of Dallas or like refuse to sign an extension? Well, I think it's a little early for him to be worried about that, but um you know, they, they went and got Porzingis for him. I think that that bought them some time. Um, but he's going to, I mean, everyone in the league is going to go after him when he becomes a free agent. And I don't know what Luca's uh, MO is, if you if he's happy there or not, but he's going to have options if he wants them. And it's just strange to me that he would be that vocal in defending Luca over something that's, you know, a, a lot of guys in the league whine. It's not really something that seems uh, worthy of that kind of response. So it's just a little strange. Yeah, I was listening yeah. to JJ Reddick's podcast the other day, and all they did was talk about wine, like red wine, white wine. <laughs> They're big fans of both of yeah. those things. So I, I don't know why Cuban got so bent out of shape about it. Well, they all bathe in it. It's good, you know. Well, Matt, uh, there are some words in the English language that sound the same but have totally different meanings. Yeah, okay, Jerry. Uh, Anyway, we can uh, can move on from the Dallas Mavericks. We spent quite a bit of time last week talking about them, and uh, to their credit, they've won two of their last few games here, so good for them. They're up into uh, 13th place. We'll see if they can keep the grind going. I I, I kind of hope they can't. Not for any particular reason, other than I just think it'd be really wild to see what would happen if a 22-year-old like demanded a trade. You think it'll get that far? If the Mavs don't make the playoffs this year, yes, I think it'll get that far. Oh, uh, I wow. can imagine I think the it's... world... The... I think it's a little early for that, but can you I would, hey, I would love that. Play. We own their picks, so I'd, I'd be thrilled. But yeah, Can you I, imagine the world? No, sorry, go ahead. It's okay. Can, can you imagine so the anyway, world? So anyway, what we were... Th- the... no. <laughs> All right, that one was a joke. Please go on, Jerry. I'm sorry. Can you imagine the world in which... Luca regrets being drafted or like being passed on by the Kings in a world. <clears throat> well, wasn't was, weren't there rumors that he really did not want to end up with Atlanta or um Sacramento and I mean th- those teams still could have taken him, but I think there was a lot a lot of noise around Luca doesn't want to play for those teams. Well, yeah, I think he was and, withholding medical records and stuff. Yeah, and you know the Kings. Obviously, I think the Kings' story was a little different because Doncic or uh, Vlade said something along the lines of "He doesn't have what it takes," which was is hilarious in retrospect. But... Vladdy the Daddy, one of the worst executives to ever do it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he. It, it, it's amazing they're as good as they are with the moves that he's made. Deer and Fox, and, dude. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. And we've talked about the Trey Young slander and how 
you know, being compared to Luca and it's not necessarily fair, but I, I can't blame Atlanta. If, if Luca's and his people said, if you draft us, we're not showing up or we won't resign. I, it's hard to blame Atlanta for trading down, getting another pick and taking Trey, but no one's, no one's ever going to defend him for that. Especially not, you know, Simmons and Rosillo. No, yeah, I, they're the the chief Trey Young haters in the world, and I mean, I understand it to a degree because we have D'Angelo Russell on our team, who is sort of that that kind of player that they think Trey Young is, who like doesn't really help you win games. Uh, but Trey Young does so many things really well. And they don't see any of those things. They think that he's just a empty stat sheet guy who doesn't impact winning at all, doesn't improve, doesn't make his teammates better. And uh, they think Luca's. I think Simmons said he's like already a top five player in the NBA. And uh, yeah, maybe that's right. I don't know. We'll see. They're the 13th best team in the West right now. Yeah, so do you what what would you put the odds of him asking for a trade at? I wasn't even considering that as a as a I think if they don't today. make the play in, like if they're not a top 10 team, I could see it I could see it happening this year. Like I I think it'll it won't even just be you know, him signing a contract with another team that they can match in restricted or something along those lines. Like, I think legitimately he might tell them, "Look, I'm not going to sign a contract. I'm going to extra. I'm going to go to my fourth year, and then I'm going to enter unrestricted free agency. I don't want to be here. So either trade me now and get something, or lose me in a year." That's, that's exactly what uh, Porzingis was threatening to do. Yeah, that's really hard for me to imagine somebody actually doing. Like, so first, first of all, I think even even if the Mavericks do like just crap out, I, it's really hard for me to to see like that scenario happening. But also, like if it did happen, can you? There would be like there would be immense consequences to the CBA. I think there would be a lockout to like try to tamp down on player control, player autonomy. Because, like, you're supposed to be able to get these guys, keep these guys for, you know, the first 10 years of their life. And if if players start, like, no, actually, I don't like that. I'm going to sign the qualifying offer. Then I think the qualifying offer might just disappear. Dude, I don't know why more guys haven't done it. Well, it's like, I, I understand it. So, especially because for a player like Luca, uh, I would get it because like he's gonna get paid almost certainly. Yeah, right? he'll make thirty million more dollars by signing a contract extension than he would by not doing so. Right, but but even if like he, even if he has like a down year or an injury, right, he'll he'll still get paid. Like a max contract. Yep. Right. Kevin Durant just tore but, a, tore an Achilles and got lots and lots of money. Right, because he's Kevin. Because he's Kevin Durant. Yep. Right. Um, my point is, I I don't think even the next rung down of players are really like as comfortable doing things like that because I do think there's like a 
uh, the fear that there's like might be a black ball of some kind, or like the teams sort of conspire to punish players that do something like that. Hmm. Um, at least I'd be worried about it if I were like if I if my talent was not the literal cream of the crop. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I feel like there are plenty of guys throughout the league who could have pulled it off. Like Donovan Mitchell. Not that he should, because the Jazz are really, really good. But you, you don't think somebody would have given Donovan Mitchell a max contract? All it takes is one team. I just, I, I guess, I don't believe in this cabal of of you know NBA front offices that are going to cooperate to punish one player for behaving that way, especially when you have guys like you know Anthony Davis who just literally throw their entire organization under the bus for an entire year in order to get moved. So I agree that it's unlikely that something like that could happen. But something like that did happen in Major League Baseball back in the day, where teams literally did conspire to keep certain players' salary lower, and that was just because they could. Uh, Uh, So I don't think it's out of the question. Uh, I think we should be specific because there are, I, I want to know what you're referring to, I guess. Okay. Uh, I would need to look it up, but the major league baseball had a scandal, uh, I think back in the sixties and seventies where there was uh, salary fixing, um, teams would conspire to keep certain players, uh, salaries low. Um, Okay. So I yeah I, I have two responses. The, I, I thought I'm glad I clarified because I thought you were referring to the recent revelation that front offices uh, like have an, an inner office competition to see who can arbitrate against their players better than anybody else and uh, not pay young men. But uh, my my point to this or my response to this point would be. The amount of money that the NBA makes in 2021 is so much more than any sports league made in the 1960s. And all of these owners of these teams are just, they they just care about the bottom line. There are like three or four of them who really care about winning, but for the most part, it's it's an asset for them or a lifestyle choice. You know, they, they heard the song Money by Pink Floyd and the NFL didn't have any teams for them, so they they bought an NBA team and lucked into $5 billion. Sure. Like, I, I just... The notion that the Charlotte Hornets wouldn't give Luka Doncic a max contract because he was, like, mean to Mark Cuban just seems insane to me. Okay. I, I don't... It doesn't seem that insane to me. Uh... But like, I well for Luca it does. Yep. I I think that once you have a high, like a, enough talent, then you're you know the conversation's out the door. You get paid regardless. That's what I'm saying. But if you're but if you're like a if you're a fringe all star or an NBA role player, and you try to like force a situation, you're telling like me that, the Detroit Pistons <clears throat> wouldn't give Donovan Mitchell a max contract if he were like mean to the Utah Jazz. Devin Booker. Um, 
it would depend on how ugly it got. But I mean, like, it's just uh, it's just something that would be in the back of my mind. Hmm. Especially like because you're especially when you're that young and you haven't like gotten your first enormous contract yet. I don't know, dude. The Timberwolves can't sign free agents. Like, you're telling me they wouldn't go get Donovan Mitchell if he just became available because of the principle of the thing? Um, I mean, when you say it like that, and I, I, I'm less certain, for sure, but, like, look at what happened to Kaepernick, man. Kaepernick was a great, uh, a great football player, and one of the best quarterbacks in the league, like, for several years. And as soon as, like, it became, or, like, obviously that's a more charged issue. Yeah, but... well, and, and the narrative's a little wrong. Kaepernick had, Kaepernick was a backup when he started kneeling. You know, he was not, he was not one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL when that project started. He had been, he had been struggling for two seasons. He also wasn't 22. True. And it's the NFL and was... Where they have a lot more power. Yeah, I I, I get it. I Uh, could see someone like Kyrie getting Kaepernicked on his next deal. For sure. Yep, I could see Kyrie getting Kaepernicked. For sure. Um, I like that verb, too. Yeah, Kaepernicked. (laughs) Oh, man. Yikes. All right, well, that's that's uh, that's what we should tell Zach Lowe the next time that he insults one of our favorite players is get Kaepernick, Zach. <laughs> I guess that's the that's the other other thing. I, I the other I wouldn't be as con- even if I were Luka Doncic and I forced that issue, I would be less concerned about me getting my bag than I would be about the league changing the rules uh, because of what I did. Well, I think there should be. I mean, it is a little insane to me that if you're a top five pick and you end up being a, you know, a franchise kind of player, you really don't have the opportunity to explore uh, going to another team until you're into your seventh year or around there because of restricted free agency. And it's just a little insane to me that these guys have almost no say in where they play, who who they play for until they're a seven-year veteran. I mean, it's there's they should have a little more freedom in that. Now, I don't think it, I don't think it benefits those players to demand a trade because the the team trading for them has to, if they're good enough, has to gut their team to go get them. So it puts them in a bad position. But you know, I don't I don't blame guys like. Durant and Kyrie wanting to find their own place somewhere because they've had they've either drafted by a team that maybe they weren't keen on and then <clears throat> subsequently traded to another team that they weren't keen on or so it's I think there should be some change there in the next CBA I doubt it'll happen but. well this is the interesting thing right if if they make that change like let's say uh, every player becomes an unrestricted free agent after their fourth season. That's the new change. There is no like restricted free agency, none of that stuff. Your first contract is four years, and then you enter unrestricted free agency. And you can choose to sign an extension, but you you like remove that mechanism there. 
First thing is, I, I still don't know if many guys would choose not to do it because they haven't already. Like, you can effectively treat your contract as if it were that today, but most guys don't because the amount of money that you make from a five-year extension is so much more than you would make by just entering unrestricted free agency. Obviously, we're just talking about, like, top-tier max contract level players here. There are plenty of other players who enter unrestricted free agency because they're not very good, but... Those top guys already aren't doing it. So I don't think you'd see much of a change. And if they moved it to the point where you could see much of a change, like if they removed the financial incentive for you to stay, you'd just effectively be destroying a bunch of markets. No teams in Detroit, in Minnesota, like, you know, none of these teams would be able to compete. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. And uh, that's gross. That stinks. Uh, on the other hand, I really like that I can choose where I live and work. And it is unfair that these guys, you know, are barred from doing that. So the solution, like, maybe is, and this is something that I've kind of yelled about for many years now. I think the solution is to remove uh, the max contract. Just say you can sign a player for any amount of money for at most five years. And then LeBron James, you just pay your entire salary cap to. That's just the way that you do it. Uh, You get rid of bird rights. You make your cap an actual hard cap. And you say any player can make any amount of money. And so it'll be LeBron and a bunch of terrible players. Or Kevin Durant and a bunch of terrible players. And then... Teams with like five or six pretty good guys who they can pay one LeBron salary. And you'd have better parity. Those smaller markets could actually theoretically compete uh, in free agency at that point because the larger markets would be attracting the absolute upper echelon of stars. Plus it'd be yeah, crazy. Yeah, I... It would be crazy. The, the The problem that I have with this, uh, so like, the problem that I have with this plan um, is that it offers a whole lot more opportunity to immensely fuck up, um, which I don't think is necessarily a good thing. Uh, like, it's not inherently the worst thing either that's a great thing i miss it when uh, teams signed seven-year contracts for like terrible old players bring that back the owners do not need protection that's not what i'm saying i'm not trying to protect ownership here i'm trying to protect like the parody of the league Um, what parody i know i know Hey, look, right now we're in an era that looks like it. there might be something approaching parody. I, I, throwing something, a monkey wrench like that into the mix seems like it might be a bad idea. How many teams do you think uh, can win the NBA Finals this year? I, like five or six, maybe. Yep, I agree. Phil? Mm, I might go three or four. Uh, yeah, but... Yeah, I, I'd I, say yeah, I, I three, three to six is the range, right? Yeah. 
I could maybe go a little higher this year if you told me that like the Heat were gonna refine their form or something like that. But it's not a large number. Yep. Yep. I agree. Yeah, it's uh. And right now is the most parity we've had in the NBA for like a decade. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, um, I don't know. I, I don't think you're protecting much. Sure. Uh, the second thing is that I worry about how money is distributed among the players from a situation like that. Does that uh, destroy the NBA role player? Um, no, because I mean there are only like two or three guys who warrant the ninety million dollar contract. Right, but there would still be pressure uh, to pay other players that much, right? See, but this is the beauty of the thing. If Donovan Mitchell comes to you and he's like, "I want to make ninety million dollars," you say, "I'll." I'll pay you 30. If you find more, good luck to you. And the Donovan Mitchell goes and signs for like $90 million in Detroit. And then Detroit's garbage. But like, <clears throat> you still have this other team. Like, like all it takes is one person to hold the line. And that person can have role players. And think about, think about how disincentivized your team would be from paying Donovan Mitchell $90 million a season. Because... Role players are important. You need them to win. And if you're paying all your money to Donovan Mitchell, and then you've just got, like, you know, Brad Miller in a wheelchair, you're not going to win any basketball games. You know, I'm coming the other way around. I'm, I'm, I'm down for this, but we also need to make it so contracts can only last one year, too. So every year, the whole league just has to has to like re how does that sound we just like every year the whole league changes completely well i would i was gonna say <laughs> pitch this which will never happen but i think it would be cool if they won tampering is legal it doesn't matter it's already legal just let it happen these players talk to each other about playing with each other just let it happen it, it's fine nothing's nothing as bad is going to come from it two every five years Everyone has to be a free agent. So you can, if you're 2025, you can't have a contract extend beyond that. So every five years, every team has a clean slate. That would save, that would save all the owners, the trouble of shooting themselves in the foot. And then every five years, you could have every team be a potential landing spot for whichever set of players wants to play together. Can I, can I amend this a little bit? Sure. I think rookies still need continuity, though. Yes. So, so yeah, if I, you're drafted in the fifth year of the cycle, you still would become a free yeah. agent four years later, or the fourth year of the cycle, you would, you could, yeah, you would have a rookie scale deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, that I would love, be awesome. I, I love that. I also love the idea of a uh, new contract every year. every year. Yeah, I think that'd be great for the NBA. Um, I think it'd be really fun. You'd get this like weird mix where James Harden would finally be the norm and you'd just be blowing up <laughs> his team every season and some teams would be like no nah, we're going to we're we're trying continuity we got buy in from our players we have a culture 
Um, dude, I'm down to shake it up. Let's go. And the, the NBA is eight. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jerry. No, see, the sure. The solution that like makes the most sense to me is probably something like uh, to incentivize players to stay in their home area. You still keep something like the Supermax, but it's like you can the extra money you can pay them doesn't apply to the cap, right? That, that that's like the most uh, vanilla um, solution that I think is like the most likely one to exist in our our world. Yeah. I don't know, man. Make it a hard cap. Bird rights are so stupid. The NBA's cap rules and the luxury tax are insane. Don't do any of that. None of that crap. There's a hard cap. No max contracts. There's still a minimum contract, which would in effect create like the maximum. You'd subtract 14 times the minimum from the cap. And then whatever the remainder is would be your, like, quote-unquote max salary. Go for gold. Have fun. Build a basketball team. Play play LeBron James with Norris Cole again. (laughs) And the NBA loves that they have, like, almost more traffic in the offseason than they do during the season. And this would, I mean, this is... You'd think they would, they would like this idea, but I, I think the owners would not. The owners wouldn't, and the players' association would not. Yeah, no. yeah. But screw it, let's do it. <laughs> well, when Kyrie defects and starts his own league, he can he can implement these uh, these new ideas. The other thing would be called. Um, I mean, it wouldn't be in English. Yeah. Um. It'd be some like it'd be some no horizon something like that. It'd be a Vedic chant. That's good. That's good. No horizon. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing that would be fun is if you. And I know that, again, this will never happen, but rather than having teams associated with a place have a pickup tournament every year where, like, the 30 statistically best players from the previous season are the captains, and then you take turns, like, drafting every year. And you have your NBA Rec League season. I think that'd be great. Every once in a while, Kevin Durant would tear an Achilles and he'd come back, and so you'd get LeBron and Kevin Durant on the same team for a season. Yeah. I think we'll see something like that in the distant future, but not The year 2000. (laughs) I hope we do. I actually think the like city fandom is kind of the least interesting component of sports. Sorry, what, the what fandom? Like city-based fandom. Like it's way more interesting to me to follow a player's career than to be a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. Yeah. 
Like, if I could just be a Carl Towns fan. Yeah, a lot of us are just, you know, you're born into your fandom. And then when you're old enough and mature enough, you start, yeah, you start following the players and the teams you want to. But some of us just can't, you know, old habits, they die hard. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, and like the, you know, the deconstructionist, postmodern, neo-Marxist society that we live in now. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get rid of city-based teams. You got the LeBron James LeBronettes going up against the Kyrie Irving chanters. Neoliberal corporatists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Artists, the Kyrie Irving artists. Corporate corporate artists. Corporate yeah. artists. Beautiful. Every year we just so we do like a the thirty best players are the like the heads of their teams and then yep. like, and they do the all star draft thing, yeah. Yeah, do the all star draft. LeBron <laughs> gets the, the last pick every year. For the entire NBA. You don't think the fan the fans would love that? I mean the players would hate it. Think about how much fun it would be. Yeah, it would be great. Like, the NBA would make so much less money. So, of course, it's never going to happen. But if every year they just had a bubble, so the players just go live in one city, and, like, next year it's Florida. The You know, year after that it's Indianapolis. And they just go live in a city, and they play 35 games, and then they have a playoffs. And every summer you'd have just a, a a new load of fresh beef between That's right. these players just just um, beside themselves because they weren't picked in the third round by Giannis. Yep. <laughs> Enough beef sandwich, hot beef well, sandwiches. Well, think about it this way. Around. Like Giannis and LeBron would have to hire a staff of scouts to like <laughs> that was, they would, that's what i was gonna say <laughs> yeah i don't think lebron james knows who like that would be great they all, have, is. Yeah. they all have they all have war rooms yeah that's right yeah exactly well and that's that's how you know you've made it in the nba is when you have to hire a gm <laughs> so would each of these 30 players get to pick which team they play for no, I'm, they are the team. They are the team. You're like the LeBron James Blue Squad. Okay, so okay, you, you get to pick your name and everything. Yeah, you get to pick that. So they're picking new, new colors, new new names, new logo. Dude, that, that would be think awesome. about how much it would be, how much fun it would be. You'd have like thirty new designs every year. Oh, and you, you know that, that you, would be out of you control. know that uh, you know that there would be some basketball players that like. That would didn't like never have a staff because like yeah screw it I'm the yeah. best yeah I'll take Ky- Taylor and Horton is, Tucker in the second <laughs> Kyrie Irving is just like no I don't need people to tell me what what I know I I know who the best players are already I've played against them well he doesn't deal with pawns yeah I don't so. communicate with pawns yeah. <laughs> God, that would be that would be so entertaining. The DeMar DeRozan Miles Turner team would be going up against the LeBron James 
I don't know who's the 60th best player in the NBA. Like the LeBron James. I'm yeah. currently in the middle of recording a podcast with Phil and Matt. So I'll are you back to are you, you on your phone time. right now? Jerry's on his phone right now. Report. Kyrie Irving hires Banksy as its head of basketball operations. Key graphic designer. You could you couldn't mute Sorry. Jerry. It was, it was my sister. Sorry. You couldn't you couldn't press the mute button. I did press the mute button. You didn't press the mute button. Yes, I yes I did. Well, we we could hear you. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. No, there is so much egg on my face. It's cool. I'll edit it out. Don't worry about it. Sounds good. Yep. Uh, Phil, what were you saying? A Banksy and Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie Olaus. Irving hires Banksy as his head of basketball operations. Dude, think about and it he... this way: every single game that, like the Damian Lillard team played, all of the music would just be Damian Lillard's music. Yeah. <laughs> the be fact awesome. that he's like a good rapper would actually be a competitive advantage. The team names too. If they were if they were able to change their name and logo, that would be why. Like what the the ideas they would come up with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm Gian- all for this. Giannis would be the Euros. Sorry, Phil's from New York. Uh, the Gyros. The Gyro, yeah. Giro. Yeah, Joel Embiid would just be some word we've never heard before. <laughs> Gosh, dude, this would be so much fun. Can we like, get like, uh, is Rudy Gobert? Yeah, can we get Adam the... Silver on the phone. Let's yeah, Jerry, call Adam Silver. I can't. I can't do a Silver impression yet. Uh, all right. Well, we'll have to. It's kind of insensitive to do an Adam Silver impression. Like he's. Yeah. Well, he's just very nasally. You can't, you can't, you can't do an Adam Silver impression that isn't degrading. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I think you just gotta like be very light with it. Yeah, I guess so. And as far as uh, you know, pro sports league commissioners go, he's he's up among the better ones. Oh yeah, he's got to be the most well liked. So he's not he's not worth slandering. He's also like, you know owns 200 million dollars or something so i like he can handle getting made fun of a little bit yeah but like is rudy gobert a top 30 player in the nba probably right uh he's yeah i think he, he's around there for sure i uh, <laughs> dude this would be so much fun All right, I think I've convinced myself. Sports are boring. We need this. Why not? I mean, it doesn't. They should. They should shake things up. Money. And if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, they can go back to it. It'll. It'll create so much attention for the league. I guess they don't really Dude, need more attention. But even even if they even if they didn't do it as like. I mean, just do this instead of the All Star Game, like. Go take the regular season down to like forty games. Have a three month break in the middle, and for that middle month, there's like a a round robin tournament. You want to take it to an even crazier level? 
these maybe these teams aren't tied to a specific city. They just tour like the circus. That's how they and they play they yeah. play every major city, but they're not they're not playing for any particular that's how barnstorming baseball teams used to work. Yeah. For this week, the Lakers are in town. Yeah. The problem is is that like the thing that drives all this money is people buying merchandise and people want to buy merchandise for players from their city. Yeah. I really want to pretend that Kevin Garnett <laughs> Yeah, Jerry's <laughs> holding up his circa nineteen ninety four Timberwolves shirt. Right ninety four, dude. This was from the this no, is from I the know. dark ages. That's that's a two thousand four. That's the, that's the I know. Sprewell, I'm, uh, I'm just Sam Cassell era. Jerry, I was trying to be hyperbolic. All right, oh, he, he's giving me a. He's dead a Timberwolf, shirt. right? Spree. Yeah. Hell yeah, Spree. Once a Timberwolf, always a Timberwolf. That's what we say on this podcast. I was just quoting Julie. Did she got you that Spreewell jersey like 15 <laughs> years after he retired, right? Yes. Jerry, you should tell this story, actually. This is good. <clears throat> T- tell the story My, of your only Timberwolves jersey. Uh, so what I'm wearing now is a t-shirt, not a, not a jersey, so it doesn't count. Uh, the jersey that I own, uh, my mom got me for Christmas. Uh, she knew that I wanted like a you know, a Ricky Rubio jersey or maybe a Carl Anthony Towns jersey. But when she went to go get one of those, she saw that they were, like, super expensive. And she couldn't afford it. So she went on to, I think it was, like, eBay and looked for a cheaper jersey. And she found one for just $30. Uh, so she bought that one. And I opened it. And it was a Latrell Sprewell jersey. And I... I just laughed and said, do you know who Latrell Sprewell is? And she said, oh, no, did I do something wrong? And I said, <laughs> no, no, you didn't. This is this is the greatest gift I've ever received. Thank you so much. We have yet to attend a Wolves game in that jersey. It's true. We got to get on that. All right. Uh, yeah, that, I think the funnest part would be like the basketball writers of America deciding who the 30 best players were in order. Yeah, and that would fall to them to pick. Yeah. Fuck oh, you, God, Zach you... Lowe. Yeah. yeah I was say, Zach Lowe just gets to dictate terms on who the best 30 players is. And then the next year, the best 30 players will be completely different, and he'll pretend like he never liked the... 30 best players from two years earlier. All right, I got to stop this. I, I've, I've got a vendetta at this point. And I, you, you don't shoot at the king. That would open up the door for some crazy uh, scandals, though. Oh, like, yeah. LeBron like Rudy is Gobert, 30 best player. Rudy Boger- Gobert caught bribing yeah. Tim, <laughs> Tim McMahon for... <laughs> Tim McMahon, a... the guy from wrestling, <clears throat> or who am I thinking? Um, McManaman. McManaman. That's yeah. <laughs> no, and Tim McMahon. Rudy Gobert bribes the wrong Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Shows up at WrestleMania. See, I, I think that that like I think that yes, there would be scandals like that, but I think that all of those that sort of sort of hijinks should absolutely be legal in this in this scenario. Do whatever you got to do to get into that top thirty, baby. Whether it's bribes or like 
you know, purchasing surprise cakes for reporters. I, I don't, Wonder, I don't know what what you do. Just send them all to Windhorst. Yep, Windy. There'd be some <laughs> player like, I don't know, who's the thirty first best player in the NBA. Uh, that's going to be an impossible thing to determine. Like a Jamal Murray or some guy who doesn't get his own team, but every year gets drafted really early on and then wins the title. And yeah. so it's it's like the narrative just becomes like Jamal Murray wins his eighth title. He Why why isn't he given his own team yet? It's like Because he's definitely not as good as these other guys, but man, he's the best second banana in the NBA. That would be wild. Dude, I I would love that. I think that that would be so much fun. All right. It's going to be hard to just go back to regular NBA life. I know. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, I have to go cheer for the Timberwolves now. They're 6 18. They are 6 18. Yeah. It's it's, it's a strong 6 18. It's, It's, what are you talking about? I'm you trying to yeah. okay. <laughs> feel better. Good try. Gosh. It's actually like the worst 6 and 18 I think I've ever seen. Yeah, we really shouldn't have won four of those games. Yeah. Yeah. Is Towns due back soon? Uh, He was upgraded from out to doubtful last night, so maybe. Hmm. Uh, speaking of uh, coming back from strange COVID circumstances, I think we should chat a little bit about uh, Jerry Sotak's favorite player, uh, Kevin Durant, who had a very, very weird uh, experience this week with regard to um, with regard to the COVID protocols in place. So before the game uh, the other night. Kevin was uh, allowed to go out on the court. He practiced with his team. Uh, then later, during that period, or during the like pregame warm-ups, he's pulled off the court for health and safety protocols. He's already been with his entire team. He's pulled off the court. Uh, then they clear him midway through the first quarter. He comes in and plays the like second half of the first quarter. Plays through halftime, goes back out there into the third quarter when he's pulled off of the court and told that he has to go into uh, the health and safety protocols, and it's announced he's not going to return. Uh, And then later he's barred from traveling to Philadelphia with the Brooklyn Nets. (coughs) And And I uh, believe he's due due out until Friday at the least. Yes, Um, I believe that's correct. I benched him for my fantasy team this this week. Oh no! How's your fantasy team doing, Jer? Oh, we're uh, we're two and five, but we're a strong two and five. All right, good. Nice. Congrats. <laughs> Ever uh, the optimist. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jeez, dude, just nuts. And all of this is going on while the NBA is uh, announcing, or not announcing, but all of the chatter around the NBA is that they're going to be having an all-star game this year. And all of the players and all of the media are like, what a stupid idea. Don't do this. And the NBA apparently is just moving forward with it. And, uh, LeBron had those remarks about 
this is a slap in the face and you know, good for him. He's right. It's, it's absurd that they're dro- they dropping this on them. You know, yeah, a third I, of the way through a, a already falling apart season. I wonder if there's going to be a boycott. He I'll indicated be, he's not going. He's going to be there in body, but not spirit. Yeah, I said. think that was. <laughs> he's going to go, but he's not going to try very hard. Um, I, do you mean of the All Star Game or the NBA in general, Jerry? Of the All Star Game by the players. Yeah, yeah. We just have an all-star game where Boyan Bogdanovich is picking for the West. Oh, well, there might be a lot of, uh, you know, conveniently timed injuries right before the actual game, which hey, wouldn't surprise be, me. Maybe, maybe uh, D'Angelo Russell will manage to get his second all-star appearance if that happens. Let's be realistic, Jerry. No one's ever going to make D'Angelo Russell an all-star again. I wouldn't blame. I mean, what, what's the point? There's no fans. No fans are going to be there. It's the game. The game is for show anyway. Well, it doesn't count for anything. So a bit of a counter argument. I don't really believe this, but I think you could make an argument like this. Like when people are talking about player legacies and who gets into the hall of fame and who doesn't one of the things that comes up are like all-star appearances and so robbing this entire generation of one all-star appearance means that they're going to be like unfairly compared to previous generations my answer to that is that all-star games have always been stupid and meaningless and shouldn't be talked about in that way like it's just insane already um i mean you could also get around that by like naming all stars and then just not having a game this year. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. what I was gonna say. Like, they don't want to go to the game anyway. Just let, just give them the nod. Oh, dude, and then move on. I have a solution. You partner with like Sony or EA or somebody. You have your all star team. You have the draft, and then the. Uh, the actual game is a full real-time NBA 2K All-Star game where the players have to play themselves as they're like subbed in and hand off controllers to each other. It'll be great. Kevin Durant would I, mop I, up. He might. I will say it does suck that like you know, we're not getting an All-Star game. Not because the All-Star game is particularly good, but because you know, the more effective that the Elam ending turns out to be the more likely it will eventually be instituted in the league yeah uh, so another lost year for that i guess which is too which sucks is that ever going to happen you think they'll ever move to the elam ending oh so I, we, should, we should clarify for those who don't know the elam ending is uh when you reach a threshold of points when one team reaches a threshold of points uh rather than like clocking in the game you just have a quarter where the first team to score a certain number more points wins so like most traditionally Uh, oops go ahead jerry uh no please continue to clarify before i give my yeah most traditionally the example that would be given is like when one team makes it to 75 points then there's a break in action the two teams come back out and the first team that gets to 100 wins the game that would be an example of the elam ending 
so I obviously have my doubts that they'll institute anything that extreme. Um, but I really, really hope they do because it would make the NBA a perfect sport, in my opinion. Uh, <clears throat> I've always admired baseball and tennis because the clock doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how far behind you are in those sports. You always have a chance to come back. Whereas in most other major sports, the clock becomes a factor, and at a certain point, the game is lost, regardless of how well you play from that point. And I don't like that. I think that games where you always have a chance to come back are beautiful, and this would make basketball one of them. Do you watch Big Three? No. Okay. Yeah, it, it's super hype. It's really exciting. It's so much well, better. That's, it's that's so the much... other thing too, is that it makes it makes the product better at the end. Like, yeah. There be no there be no more foul game, right. which like everybody hates the foul game. Even the people that play the foul game hate the foul game. Yeah, uh, there only... still might be a foul game in Elam ending. The only counter argument I think you'd be met with against that for the NBA is that. You know, offensively uh, deficient teams like the Knicks and the Cavs would potentially take them three hours to get to 100 points if they're not shooting well. And I think they probably want to avoid avoid that. But well, so the way that I've heard it pitched is as opposed to like in the third quarter or the first team to reach 75 is you play until like there are seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then depending on the score that the teams currently have, you just add, say, seven to 12 points to their score. And whoever whoever reaches that number... So so the game is like, don't go on for that long. It makes makes every game end on a buzzer beater of some sort. Yeah, I I think the original... Like, the original implementation was eight points more than the leading team, right? When they first did it? I think it was seven, but I don't know. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, I so I, I had I had heard that... Um, yeah, I, like, when, uh, when the All-Star game first did it, they chose 35, and then because Kobe died, they went with 24. Um... But in a regular game, I had I thought that I had read that 35 would be considered way too high. But 25 being, you know, roughly a quarter of 100. Not roughly, it's exactly a quarter of 100. Uh, what I meant to say is, like, roughly a quarter of, like, the average score of an NBA basketball game. Um, yeah, no, the Elam ending is great, and it would be nice to at least uh, at least discuss moving it into the regular league. There are two, I think, things that should change about the end of basketball games. While we're while we're totally re-architecting the way the NBA works, let's just fix the fourth quarter as well, right? Sounds good. Let's so, do it. Uh, intentional fouling shouldn't be a thing. Uh, if you intentionally foul the opposing team... Jerry, oh my god. What? You gotta mute when you do that, man. Yes, sir. I didn't hear, my, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> I'll edit it out. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, I yeah. won't. <laughs> uh, 
I have no idea what I was talking about. Fourth quarter fixing. So intentional fouling. Uh, this this <clears throat> game where you like people use it in two ways, right? They use it to try to catch up, and they use it to try to prevent other teams from catching up. Like if another team gets hot and you're up five, sometimes you'll start fouling so that they are forced to take twos. That's all. That's all nonsense. If you make it so that you have the option of shooting free throws or of taking the ball out of bounds and getting a fresh clock. Like, that just goes away. And then if there's an Elam ending where you actually have to hit a target score, uh, there's just, like, there's so much less incentive to do it. And also, the ending of the All-Star game was so nuts. It was, like, the first fun one. Well, yeah, that's the reason why I'm sort of hopeful about it. And and the best part about it was it ended on a free throw, which is, like, the worst way that an Elam ending game can end. And it was still and it fun. was still hype. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Adam, get us get us get us those paychecks, dude. We're here. This I mean, this is kind of the reason why I I sort of hope that they actually do like an in an in season tournament someday. Because I think it would be easier to like uh use it as like a staging ground for more wild ideas, uh, as opposed to just putting them directly into the NBA because they're, you know, owners of major uh, uh, sports franchises are nothing if not conservative. I mean, the, the NFL couldn't even get rid of the kickoff, which is objectively the worst play in football uh, in like the most watered down, like, well, what if we only allowed you to do it for one possession per game and it's optional and they still couldn't, couldn't change it. So being able to like do this sort of thing in baby steps is like would be you know the best possible way to like get it eventually get it done in my opinion. Yeah, people hate change, man. I don't know hey, why. I mean, I always loved to steal the bacon in, in the NFL or the XFL at the start of the game instead of the coin flip, you know. It's just innovative thinking like that. I think there's, so this is a thing we've talked about a bit, but like, I think that people moralize sports quite often and they make it like this, they make it more important than, you know, it is. Sports are not that important. Sorry, avid listeners of this NBA podcast, but like, there are way more important things in the world. Sports are there to be fun and stupid and entertaining. And, uh, and yet we watch the Timberwolves. Like there's there's this element of masochism, and if the the actual mechanism around the sports was a little more fluid and a little more silly, maybe maybe that could like maybe that could shake the rust off of our cold dead hearts. You know what I mean? Just like maybe that'll open our eyes up to the world again. Seems like wishful thinking to me. Our hearts are just dead. <clears throat> I, I was I was trying to make a dark joke about how, you know, like nothing ever goes your way, and well, it's not a joke though. I'm a Timberwolves fan. I know, but you make a good point that I think it's not just about money. I think a lot there are a lot of people that argue if you drastically change the structure of the season, it will. Have, how are we going to measure um, the stats of these? 
new formatted seasons against the seasons of old. We right. can't, how are we possibly going to know how these players are the players of the past? And it's just kind of, it's just lazy, but there's, there's a lot of people that argue that, well, how, if we go to 62 games a season, that's not fair to the players now because they're not going to be able to break the all-time scoring record or you know stuff just well, stuff I mean, like that yeah, but drives me crazy if if you couldn't compare the <clears throat> players of today to the players of 30 years from now think about how many guys would not have jobs like skip bayless and nick wright would be donezo got nothing to do nothing to talk well, about they'd actually skip- have to watch a basketball game could you imagine skip is a survivor he'd find a way yeah, well, he... hopefully, hopefully that argument uh, won't be as persuasive after LeBron retires at the age of like what forty six, when he has you know seven you rings, know, se- seven rings and ten thousand more points than the next highest person, and like leads the league in every statistical category. Then, then we can like talk about reducing the number of games because like, well, you're never really going to break the record now, right? So uh, yeah, I think that in the stratosphere. I think that the like the amount of the amount of discussion Oh my gosh, guys, we're there. We're about to discuss LeBron's legacy. Are you emotionally prepared? <laughs> it's been, I've been waiting for yeah. 6 weeks now. <laughs> Born ready. Uh the amount of discussion that goes into like unmeasurable sub- subjective nonsense is too damn high, but it's also it seems to be the only thing that people want to talk about. Like sports fans, generally speaking, don't enjoy all the that many conversations about. Like, I don't know. Did you watch the way that they defended that weird Steve Nash pick and roll? That was crazy. Do you think they're going to be able to do that for three more games? Like, there's certainly an audience for that kind of stuff. That's the reason that guys like Zach Lowe have a career because they actually did that kind <clears throat> of reporting. Uh, but the vast majority of sports talk is just my guy is better than your guy. And if my guy were in this hypothetical, then your guy would be worse than if he were in a different hypothetical. And it's just like, it's superfluous nonsense. And that's, that's what it comes down to when you discuss who's better LeBron James or Michael Jordan. Like there isn't an answer to this question. The great lie of asking the question is that there is an answer and there isn't one. The only thing that people can tell you is who they think was better, which is just an opinion and based on whatever the word better means, and who they liked more, who made them feel better, who gave them more dopamine hits in their brain. And that's just like... But also, but, but also Michael Jordan never lost in the finals, Matt. So, like, clearly he's better. Yeah, clearly. Well, if David Stern hadn't suspended him for gambling on his own games for two seasons, he probably wouldn't have made eight straight, but who knows? Uh, I thought you just sound like a hater there, uh, Phil. Clearly, you guys, clearly I am just, a Knicks fan. We're I mean, descending into I, the madness. <laughs> I mean, like, my... my, my um, hatred for my uh, Nick opponents started with Michael Jordan. I mean, and that's why I'm sort of one of these stragglers on the MJ versus LeBron conversation. I, I still give the edge 
to MJ and it's it really angers people. Um, but it's because he he kicked our asses every year and I got to give him respect until LeBron gets that sixth ring. And I'm, I, I'll give it, I, LeBron's going to get there. He's, he's going to end up being better, but All right. I just, I'm going to, I'm going to hold out <laughs> until the very last minute. The point but there's no answer to who's better. Right? Yeah. The point that I'm trying to make though, is not that one of these guys is actually better. The point is that like, you can't measure this data. This is well, how not... are we supposed to argue then? Well, you can argue yeah, about. I mean, come on, come on, Matt. Like, one one of them lost in the in the finals, <laughs> and the other one never even lost a playoff game never until lost. he hit it. Until he hit it once he hit his apex. Never mind the time that he lost a playoff game uh, against the Magic. Hold and on. Also, never oh my mind. God. Jerry, this sentence is incomprehensible. One of them lost, you know, never lost a playoff game un- except for when he lost? Is that what you just said? Yeah, yeah. Michael Jordan never lost a playoff game once he hit his apex, except that time that he lost to the Magic, but that doesn't count because he was rusty. Well, he was wearing and then, 45, and it didn't, yeah, he, yeah. It didn't It didn't count. He wasn't Michael Jordan then. And also, and also when he came out of retirement and played for the Wizards, that doesn't count either. It's only only the good Jordan is the one that we measure. Yeah, and Tom Brady very, can never be Eli important. Manning. It's you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so good, you've you've. I think you've uh, you very effectively demonstrated my point. I appreciate that. Thank you guys for diving in so deep. Uh, it's just, it's like the most dominant conversation right now that tom brady just won his seventh everyone's all up in arms is this guy the greatest athlete of all time which is, is the goat of goats yeah it which is again it's just meaningless uh none of these questions have answers and we spend so much time thinking about them as like a community but well, not just that. not just thinking about it like calling each other idiots for right. not agreeing with each other that not coming to a consensus on it. Well, you know, Matt, that's a very nuanced uh, take where you like, but also like very wishy-washy and sports are very concrete. You can have statistical models. Uh, So it's just a matter of the numbers as to who's the best player of all time. Hold on. Was your point you can have statistical models? Yes. All right, good. I wanted to clarify. You can make a... Yeah, yeah, I... I'm sorry. No, this was this was an argument I saw on Twitter earlier today from one Ben Shapiro about Ooh. how each, <laughs> each each sport has an objective greatest player of all time because he's he's also my beautiful. he's also my go to for sports analysts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Look, man, Benny Papino is uh, you know not not. Uh... Did you ever watch Ben Shapiro's thing about how you can objectively tell what is and is not music and which music is good and is not? Oh, Again, yeah. One of my go-to. Yeah, I yeah, always go to him critics. for my music takes, too. Yeah, it's, it's Ben Shapiro. Makes sense. Uh, look. I, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> this is all so stupid. I did it! I like I this guy that. more than that guy. That's what it boils down to. This guy makes me feel better than that guy makes me feel. That's all it is. 
That's what sports is. I mean, sports is dumb, guys. It's supposed to be fun. It doesn't it doesn't make that's, any difference in anyone's life. Yep, that's exactly where I'm going with this. So, if we can embrace this fact that sports is stupid, that we like can't have a reasonable conversation about it, and then like cut that off at the point where you're like murdering people in a parking lot, like just don't have that component of tribalism. Like have all the other stupid fun ones. That's that's fine. But Matt, this is a thing that you you all you always argue for. Like, I I'm a huge fan of basketball, but I I'm angry at all fans for being fans, and they need to be they need to be less fans so that we can all be better. Fa- like, <laughs> fans are crazy by definition. Like, being a a fanatic yeah. of sports is irrational. It makes no sense, but. That's what that's what it's all about. So I it's guess like I'm, I no... guess I'm trying to make the argument that it it can be about something, right? Like, I the reduction to absurdity of that argument would be that, like, all things about which a human can be a fan, which is to say, everything a human can enjoy, is irrational, and that's that's true, right? The things that we enjoy are just the things that give us dopamine. We're not like justifying that in our minds and choosing to find them enjoyable. Uh, but like what can be rational is the way that we respond to those inputs, right? It's, it's pretty, it's pretty silly to imagine that like after a Van Halen show, somebody goes out into the parking lot and murders another guy because he thought that Joe Satriani was the better guitar player. Is that something that actually happened? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like there are people who are there are people who find the music of these, you know, two guys just as meaningful and just as important in their lives as there are people who, you know, think that the Kansas City Chiefs really represent them in the world, in the eyes of the world. But sports just takes it to this weird place where we murder each other. When a ref makes a bad call in a soccer match, they r- rip his head off and put it on a spike. And that's that's all I'm saying is like let's just cut it off there. Yeah. Like we well, I, I, I don't I don't think it's a crazy a crazy ask. I don't feel crazy for asking it at least because like I'm I'm fans of plenty of stuff where the communities don't kill each other. So it's crazy but it's just you know music doesn't have a like nine more uh, talk morning radio shows where two guys are screaming at each other about uh, were the Beatles or the Rolling Stones better. Like that's Yeah. That just doesn't exist. Yeah. So sport. I mean, sports is unique in that way. But I mean, fandom is is irrational and insane. But it's the fandom is not really something that can be um like curated. It just it's it as you said. It's like it's a dopamine hit, and if you you respond how you respond, because that's I mean, and also people are not allowed to really have hot or violent takes about their normal day life. So sports is a way of like saying, screaming about something that doesn't matter. So they don't get fired at work. (laughs) So I I got to release something. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's sports. Sports are sort of like, the proxy war, right? Because we don't want to just actually be at war all the time. I say we, I mean like us regular citizens, the people who run our countries obviously do want to be at war all the time. Uh, yeah. But you and I don't want to be at war all the time. But there is still some like 
you know, base drive to like do violence or dominate or something like that. And sports are, I guess, the way that we've determined is like safest to express that. And and also, it would be naive of me to pretend that sports don't have like huge geopolitical consequences. Like the Olympics as a you know proxy for prestige, as a proxy for economic success, all of these things yeah, have been, sure. I mean, hugely tied together over the past hundred years. And there's plenty of symbolism in that, you know, um, all sorts of examples that we don't need to go into specifically. Uh, so yeah, I, I take I take your meaning. There is something particularly strange about sports fandom. I guess my I guess my suspicion is that there doesn't need to be, and that it would be more fun if there weren't. Well, the media will yeah. never take it down, right? I, I, yeah, I think that sports would lose a lot of their purpose if that ever happened, which would be. But like, I don't not know. Not a lot. I would they? Would they like if? Have you ever just like watched a a Jazz Nuggets game and like not cared who won, but just been like, man, Jokic is so good. This is really fun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. It's really fun. In the same way that I can like sit down and listen to a Run the Jewels album and just get really goddamn hyped up without feeling the need to actually go rob somebody. Uh, I think I I sort of agree with Phil here though that like that's sort of the purpose that sports fill and like you they want you. I didn't really want to get into it, but like sports as a whole are sort of, I, I kind of believe, are like a sort of method of social control, really. Like they, the reason why they exist is not only because they make money for the people that own them, but also they serve a purpose for like the social order. If you care more about like a, an unimportant game than you do about your material conditions, then, like, that's really useful for people who don't want you to care about your material conditions. So, yeah, sports are a great any, opiate. Yeah, any, any like, uh, and anything that threatens that dynamic, I don't think would be, like, allowed. Yeah, and I get that, like, you know, entitled Knicks or Celtics or Lakers fans are irritating, but that's how they, that's how sports speaks to them and that's how they that's how it comes out of them it's not something you can really ask them to you know curate or control because then i think it's sort of i absolutely can ask them to control that you can but it's it's unrealistic to expect them to to bow to that uh i mean yes and no right like if we're talking about like you know eagles fans or something like you can grease your light posts all you want, they're still going to riot if there's a Super Bowl win. Because <laughs> what else are you going to do in the city of Philadelphia? We're making all sorts of friends tonight. But, uh, like, at, at the same time, you know, I like, when Dodgers fans murder somebody, they go to prison. Like, you, you can ask people to regulate the absolute crazy end of the bell curve of sports fandom and should ask them to regulate that. Yeah, I don't I wasn't defending no. murder. I was just... <laughs> No, no, but 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 what I what I'm pointing out is like we already do 
curate fandom, right? Because at its most intense, people physically harm one another. I don't know how many, like, NFL games you've gone to, or even baseball games, but, like, a pretty large percentage of the ones that I've gone to, I've watched people fight each other. One time, this is not a story maybe that I should tell, but it's a story I'm going to tell. Uh, We were at the Minneapolis Miracle Game, the greatest moment in Minnesota sports history. For those of you who don't know, uh, a couple years ago, the Vikings make the playoffs. Uh, We go into halftime. We're playing against the Drew Brees Saints. We're up big at halftime. The Saints come out and just absolutely pound us into the ground over the next uh, 30 minutes. And by the end of the fourth quarter, with like a minute left, we're down, we're losing, the ball's on our like 30-yard line. It's just, it's a disaster. We threw this game away, we lost. The entire stadium is just completely deflated. It's me, my brother, and my dad, and we're sitting next to this 11-year-old Saints fan, (laughs) and uh, the Minneapolis miracle happens. Case Keenum drops back, he throws a, a bomb to Stephon Diggs, The Saints defenders run into each other. Diggs catches the ball, scores a touchdown. It's like the greatest moment in Minnesota sports history. Game over. Vikings win. We're all jumping up and down. I've never seen my dad crying. He's weeping. My brother and and I are all, you know, and my wife, Masha, is... We're all just hugging each other. My dad turns to that 11-year-old and just screams at him in this stadium where you, like, cannot hear anything because it's the loudest stadium in the NFL. Everyone's screaming. He screams at this 11-year-old, Go home, motherfucker! (laughs) And in that moment, I was like, I gotta dial this back. (laughs) Like, what is happening? This is unacceptable. And, uh... Yeah, I think we should expect that we don't shout that at 11-year-olds. I think that's unacceptable. Hey, the heat of the moment. Yeah, great. (laughs) The heat of the moment. That's just a good story, though. I mean... (laughs) Not for that 11-year-old kid. He's, like, sitting in this stadium surrounded by drunken idiots and a huge... Cold. And so cold. Yeah, and... (laughs) This this huge man turns and starts screaming at him. Not acceptable. Not acceptable. That's pretty great. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I yeah, it was it was like uh, yeah, geez. It was an insane experience. It was one of the more surreal moments of my sporting fandom. Well, wait, from... we've all I think we've all had situations like that at a stadium. I oh, mean, yeah. I I went to uh I went to a, a Knicks Sixers game in Philadelphia one time, and uh, it was, you know, they were they they lived up to their reputation there. They I was called many slurs, um, <laughs> just just for, I wasn't even wearing Knicks gear. I was just clapping when they scored, yep. and I was uh, my masculinity was called into question, and it was. I was old enough that it, I didn't let it affect me, but it's just that's 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 what most most fans are like, especially at the game, drunk. Yep. Um, and Philly too. Let you know they're yep. they're a breed of their own. But. Again, what else do they have to do? They only right. have they only have two bridges. Yeah, they they got to go somewhere. What are they not going to riot? <laughs> I mean, Wait, they, they threw. Only... When did they trade for the other bridges? 
Oh, oh God, Jerry. Oh, oh, oh. come on, come on. <laughs> well, they traded. They had him originally. They traded him for Smith. Yeah. Don't don't encourage me. It's okay. <laughs> uh. Anyway, I, I I guess what I'm trying to say is like I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we can elevate the discourse, which is I know is a, a stupid and loaded phrase, but I, I it was too tasty not to use it right there. And uh, because I'm hopeful for that, I've got to say LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan ever could have been. <laughs> and uh, if you put LeBron on those teams, they win nine straight championships. So Jordan underachieved, as far as I'm concerned. LeBron is better in. Basically every way except for uh, long two shooting, and he's almost as good at the long two shooting. He's playing in a more dynamic era against better competition. They like it's just not even close. Jordan is nothing compared to LeBron, and if you think differently, you're an idiot. So that was beautifully set up. Yeah, I mean, thanks. yes, it was very good, very good. <laughs> but but Matt's hand checking. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Jerry, I don't actually believe those things. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue about hand checking. No one plays defense anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff Van Gundy is here in the studio, folks. dude. KG <laughs> stepped into this fray the other day. I, I know, know. He, he, it was actually a pretty nuanced take. Yeah, I thought. Was this on old versus new? Yeah, he he said yeah. that he didn't yeah. think most of the guys twenty years ago could play in today's NBA. Wow. Um, but he did also point out that, like, can you imagine Michael Jordan in a league where you're not allowed to touch him? Yeah. It, Garnett was drafted in 96 or 7? Six. six. Okay. Yeah, wow. What a... He, he spanned some... He lived through a lot of pretty awesome eras there. Yeah, I, and some I, bad ones. I read a Reddit thread the other day that, uh, well, oh, his prime was the worst era of the NBA. But I read a Reddit yeah. thread the other day that Garnett played both against Magic Johnson and Nikola Jokic. Pretty cool, isn't that wild? Yeah. Hard to hard to wrap your head around. Uh, ninety five was when Kevin Durant. I was I was going to say I thought it was ninety five. Yeah, because ninety six was Kobe, right? Yeah, and then. What Duncan was the next year's ninety seven? Yeah, ninety seven was Duncan first. So yeah, Iverson would have been ninety six. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, who went ahead of Kevin Garnett? It was there were some some top names. Smith Smith Joe was, was Smith. The first, oh God, he was the first. He was the first overall <laughs> pick that year. Oh, <laughs> I hate the Timberwolves. I know. Oh I know. God, they why? lost four picks for that, didn't they? Yeah. It ended we, up only being three. It was initially five, and then it was four, and it ended up being three. We lost a decade of productivity for that. Joe Smith, Antonio McDice, Jerry Stackhouse, Rasheed Wallace. Gee, yeah, that's not a bad draft. Durant, uh, Garnett. Brett Berry was Bryant. in that one, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, Maybe 15. Oh, no, okay, yeah, he was. Good. Uh, Damon Stoudemire, Joe, Joe Smith. Oh goodness gracious! Big country. So this was yeah, this was the expansion year. Wow. Oh, dude, what a time! 
what a time to be alive. So anyway, uh, yeah, good. I'm glad that we settled the LeBron versus MJ debate once and for all. Well done. Let, let us never speak of this again. Let us never speak of this again. So Miles Turner's been having an interesting week. That's uh... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, Miles Turner has not been having an interesting week. The Pacers have uh, lost three games in a row. They've been playing pretty badly, unfortunately, for Indiana fans. Uh, you know who has not been playing pretty badly? Jerry Sotak's Milwaukee Bucks. You know, that's the second time you've done that this podcast, and I don't know why you're doing it, but all right. Well, the first time was a joke. That was Kevin Durant. Yeah. Uh, that one was a reference to your fantasy basketball team. The uh, Milwaukee Bucks is a reference to the fact that you picked them to win the East, and they've won, I think, five games in a row. Yeah. Seven sure. out of their last ten. Yeah, they're, they're good. Yep. They're very good. They're on a tear. Uh, the 76ers also <laughs> looking crazy. What? <laughs> Nothing. You're yeah. on a tear. Yes. Yeah. The yeah, the Sixers are way better than I thought they were going to be, though. Dude, this is. I think we all talked about this, didn't we? We all considered putting them at number one, and then we were like, "Oh, I can't do it. Just can't do it. Can't justify it." Uh, uh, I, I I think that you two might have done that. I, I was a little bit out on the Sixers. Okay. I, I think I I had them at four. I think, but yeah, I, we all have, gave them like the potential to be higher, but I didn't want to put them at number one. Okay. Oh man! I remember we had a big discussion about um, whether Doc was a an actual upgrade over Brett Brown. Looking like yes, though honestly, this team added Seth Curry, so of course we'd expect them to win way more games. And all they had to give up to get him was Josh Richardson. I feel yeah, like and... we talk about this a lot too. <laughs> We might have to put him on the Miles Turner list. Yeah. Fly list. Jay Rich or Seth? I think uh, Jay. Well, both. Because we kind of we always talk about them together. Have we talked? Have we done enough of a deep dive into how good Seth Curry has been? I mean, we can do it now if you want. You guys want to talk about about some Seth Curry NBA basketball games? Sure. Yeah. He hasn't looked real good since he came back from COVID. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, do you know what he's shooting from three this season, though, Jerry? Uh, is he, He's still above 40% for sure. But well, if, yes. Uh, what is he, like, closer to 50 than 40? He's at 49.3% from three this year. Good that Lord. is very high. It's very high. Wow, 49.3%? Yeah. What and what yeah. What did their father do to these kids? <laughs> Made them shoot threes. Yeah, that's well it's it's probably not fair to say he's the reason they're doing this well and oh, yeah. Dallas is doing this poorly, but uh I don't know, man. I read in a science textbook once that correlation is causation. I'm pretty sure I'm getting that right. Um, so I I think that's the cause. But he, I mean, it's just a lot of, 
attention that the defense has to pay to him. And also Embiid has just, Embiid has been a, he's always a beast, but he's been off the charts this season. Um, Yeah, Embiid's a monster. Oh man, Seth Curry really carving himself out a little career, isn't he? Yeah, good for him, man. Really good for him. He didn't get a payday though. No, and yeah. he probably won't. He's already 30, which right? he would not have get. Though, I mean, Reddick got a payday after 30, and Curry is... I think he'll get, like, that Joe Harris money that he just got after this, if he's Ooh, if he's healthy. I don't, I don't think so. How, how much longer is his current contract? Like, two years? Two years, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'll, I'll bet he gets paid one more pretty good-sized contract, but I don't think he's going to make Joe Harris money. I bet he gets a, I bet he gets a two-year deal. Uh, in the like ten to twelve range, I'll bet he gets a three year deal Ooh. in that range. Uh, all right, so three years from now, how are we gonna how are we gonna settle this? Uh, I will. I imagine I'll be giving you a sushi dinner of some. <laughs> well, no, it'll just go. To, he doesn't eat sushi anymore. Yeah, that's we true. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Man, I really should have negotiated better on those bets back in the day. Lack of well, what could foresight. you get? You could just get some edamame or something, right? I do love edamame. You should have forced him to buy you GameStop stock. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been smart, but I'm stupid. We've already established this. Uh, yeah, no, the, the 76ers are firing on all cylinders. I want to find the exact the exact number, but um, it's going to take me too long. I should have written it down before the podcast. But I read the other day that uh, while Ben Simmons is playing, the 76ers as a team are shooting like 41% from three. Or 42%, I think, because they would have been like the third best team in the NBA. While he's not playing, they're shooting like 27% from three. Which is sort of insane to think about that Ben Simmons has that much of an impact on his teammates' abilities to make three-pointers. And I guess it makes some sense, because I think last year and the year before that, he assisted on more three-pointers than anybody, except for maybe LeBron. Uh, but, geez, isn't that uh, isn't that insane that the guy can't shoot, but he improves his teammates' ability to shoot by 14%? I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Dude. Go get him. And the Tim fact Wolves. that he's not he's not really a threat, they they don't need to guard him like he's a shooting threat, but he's Yeah, it's it's impressive. Well, I've been telling you for I've been t- talking to Matt about this for a year. I I'm a huge Ben Simmons believer, so Yeah, I I like him a lot. Um it's just, I didn't think we'd be we'd see them clicking like this this soon. Thought it'd take them another year or two, but yeah, uh, Maury is good at his job. Well, this man. is the thing, though. Like Simmons himself is struggling this year by his standards. He's for sure having a down season. Uh, I I don't I don't think that you know. Like fourteen eight and eight is what Maury expected from him. Like the eight and eight are both great, but those are I think he's hitting exactly his career numbers in rebounds and assists. And he's down three points. 
Uh, is his usage down though? Uh, his usage is down a little bit, but like even still, I, I think also. I I think that he's shooting. Well, actually, I'm I'm misremembering, I guess, because yeah, he's he's at sixty four percent from the from the line this year. I thought he had regressed as a free throw shooter, but no, he's he's doing fine. His field goal percentage is down a little bit. Um, he's made one of his six threes though, so that's exciting. Got to be uh, got to be stoked about that. But yeah, I mean his his career usage is like twenty one and a half, and he's down at nineteen and a half right now. Yeah. Leading the NBA in defensive box plus minus. He's good, man. Yeah, he's been he's he has his production may have ticked down, but the games I've watched this year in small sample, his defense has been great. He's well, been really pesky. I, I don't have any numbers to back this up, but Whenever I watch the 76ers and they're in a tight game, it feels like in the fourth quarter, Ben Simmons is just, like, everywhere. Like, every play on the defensive end is just a Ben Simmons show. Yeah. He's a spider. He's a defensive spider. (laughs) He's a defensive spider. We got to get the Dave episode. One of these weeks, man. We got to get your dad. We got to get your dad going. I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. Uh, I'll work on organizing the, the Dave episode. It would be hard to do logistically, I think. But... <laughs> Emotionally hard, logistically? Uh, I mean, that would certainly play a part of it, yes. He's got Discord, right? <laughs> <laughs> he certainly feels Discord, yes. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, hey, Derek Rose is a New York Knickerbocker. Oh, I'm I'm so oh, excited. Right. So excited. So I think two weeks ago, you brought up Derrick Rose as an example of a Knicks player who you'd never forgive. <laughs> yeah. How That's do you Nick feel? Was... Yeah, it's, well, I'm not thrilled about it. It's, it's not, we didn't give up enough to get really upset about it. Um, and if they're... I don't. I don't think he's necessarily a piece that is going to help us right now. Uh, he's certainly. I haven't watched a ton of him this year. I've s- seen that his numbers are down, and when he has played, he hasn't played all that much. He's certainly better than uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Though, um, unfortunately, I you know I don't. I don't hate Dennis Smith Jr., but he's just he never looked right with us. Was never probably never was going to see the light of day here so he never looked right period he had well his rookie season he looked bad and then his his sophomore year looked a little bit better but then the second he got to the Knicks his his role was always unclear um and I think also being being the only um tangible piece that they got in return for Chris Stapp's was really an unfair thing to put on him by the media and the fans. And it's just a ton of pressure for a kid like that to step into the garden and have to probably feeling like he's got to be on Chris Stapp's level, which he's certainly isn't. 
I think he could end up being a, a player in the league at some point, but he's 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 barely even a G League player right now level. So I could see Dennis Smith having like a Gerald Green type it, yeah. career later on. It also wouldn't be surprising to me if, if he went to Detroit and he's he just starts killing it immediately. Like it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um but Rose I'm not going to get upset about it. I, I'm not a fan of his. I, he's he's a, I guess, a, an upgrade for our bench. Um, a lot of people are assuming this means Alfred Payton is out of the rotation. I, I disagree. I, Tibbs loves Alfred Payton. God knows why. I think this means more that um, Rose is probably going to be the backup point guard and take minutes away from guys like Burks, Austin Rivers, and unfortunately, quickly. Yeah. Um, and in a season where they're fighting for a playoff or play-in game spot, I'm not going to get too up in arms about trading what could be like the 40 to 45th pick in the second round this year when we already have two potential lottery picks and a bunch of young players on the team. My main concern, though, is that, and we discussed this, Jerry, is that they're going to bring him back on a long-term deal next year. That really worries me. Um, three years, maybe. But you know that that three years, thirty. That that's would, your that's your call. That would be that would be crazy, and I would I would be put on suicide watch if that happened. But <laughs> I um. I still I would be concerned about even like a one or two year deal for minimal money. I just don't think Tibbs having Rose on a Tibbs roster means he's going to play. He's not so he's going to take minutes away from whoever whatever young guys we have that should be playing or guys that we're going to draft this year. And it just scares the hell out of me, the idea of Rose. And also, you know, I don't want to get into his off-court shenanigans, but this idea that Derek Rose is, like, going to mentor the young kids is a little silly to me. Um, and I have, obviously, I've expressed my personal uh, distaste for him, but I'm not going to d- speak ill of his game, but just... Let, let's pump the brakes on he's going to mentor Emmanuel quickly. Because I I don't think it's ridiculous to say. I think Emmanuel quickly is probably more mature of a person at his age than Derek Rose is right now. So probably not the uh, this, the aggressive anger, angry take that you guys were hoping for, but I'll maybe this summer when they resign him, I'll, be, <laughs> I'll have a, a better reaction. Well, maybe, so you, you mentioned that you don't think he's going to be a good mentor. Maybe the, uh, I don't know what his neck tattoo is, but it might have <laughs> some sort of like soporific effect on the young, on the youngins. Doesn't it say, um, it's like some Winnie the Pooh thing. Well, his nickname's Isn't... Pooh, right? Yeah. I, yeah, it's something Derek Something I don't understand. Rose neck tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got? Not, not a lot has 
been written about Derek Rose's neck tattoo. All right, here it is. What's it say? It says, Godspeed. Classic. Classic. I know when I was considering oh. neck tattoos, Godspeed <laughs> was one of the was ones up there. I was thinking yeah. about. But. I, I was I was tempted by the cut here with the dotted line. Mm. That that would I'd go with that one. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, if I were to get a neck tattoo, it would just say "fuck." Just <laughs> just the word. Fuck you, you Zach Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, I think we can break this story, guys. We're the first to report. Uh, Mark Cuban has got a new neck tattoo. Yeah, uh, so. <laughs> it's exciting. Good for good for cubes. Well, Did what is say- I mean as as former um, Tib Tibbs uh, survive Tibbs survivors and Derek Rose survivors? What is your take on that? Because I know you had Tibbs, and then Tibbs went out and got Rose when he was with the Wolves. So, what is your take on all this? Should I be worried? I think you should be worried, personally. I don't Uh, think you should be worried. I think uh, that this is going to be like a sort of... Because the reason why Rose made his comeback, right? He was was basically out of the league. And Tibbs threw him the lifeline. And it worked out for him, right? And this is like the 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 reunited sort of situation. I think that he's going to be played pretty significantly, probably in a bench role for now. But if... I, I heard some rumblings that Peyton might be on the like might be on the way out at some point. And if that's the case, then I think there's a good chance that Rose will be your starting point guard for the next few years. And you've yeah. got so much cap space next year. And there's not a lot of free agents. It would not it would not at all surprise me if they're like, well, we gotta pay somebody with this. Let's just give him two years and like a team option for a third year at like a pretty high amount. Just as like a show of faith from you know or, or like a show of love from Tibbs to, to him kind of thing. Now granted Tibbs this isn't like yeah. the Pobo. But like, they did trade for just trade for Derrick Rose, and they picked up Taj Gibson, so he's clearly got some voice. Well, I love Taj. Taj can do no wrong in my eyes. Everybody everybody loves Taj. Yep. But he's still a Tibbs guy. Like yes. And this is when we were talking about Tibbs uh, when they hired him, and you guys were warning me how awful he is. I was. I, you know, I was I was nervous about it. I wasn't as um, down on him as you guys, but one the one thing that always worried me, especially after that Timberwolf stint, is that he just seems to have a complete lack of imagination when it comes to roster construction. Like he did that thing that worked, so let's go get those guys that did that thing that helped make that thing work. And it's, you know, he's he's taken this roster that no one expected to be good. There's the eighth seed right now. He's capable of 
getting guys to play above their station. I don't know what this, I don't know why Derek Rose is the guy that's like going to push us into the playoff. It just doesn't, it does, it's not, it's not a move I would ever make. And it worries me that he just seems to rely on these like retreads that it's, it just seems kind of lazy to me, but. Well, so uh, Elf is playing like 29 minutes a game right now. Quickly is playing 19 minutes a game right now. And uh, Quickly is basically as effective as Elf. And, yeah. Like as productive as Elf in 10 fewer minutes. Yeah, and the, the, a lot of people are arguing, well, Quickly's playing against the second unit, so that's why his production's better in less minutes. But, okay, I'll, I'll give them that. But that doesn't mean um, go get Derrick Rose. Because I honestly, like, even if Derrick Rose is a replacement for Alfred Payton, I don't, I'm not even sure he's an upgrade over Alfred Payton. I mean, Payton's... Peyton's irritating to watch, but he's not—he's—he's he's not so bad that you need to go get Derrick Rose. Like no, it just he, doesn't I mean, make he, sense to me. He's, yeah. So I do agree that I—I I think that the idea is that, like, you want a little bit more depth than Smith and Frank at that position. Um, yeah, I, I I imagine that Rose will be playing some shooting guard for your team. Uh, so I I could see most of the minutes coming from Burks, but Burks has just been so good for you guys. That Burks is good. Yeah, he yeah, should even, play. Even that feels really bad. So, like the the only minutes that seem valuable enough to take away and give to a Derek Rose is Alfred Payton's minutes. I agree with you. No, I think the River Austin Rivers gets a t- way too many minutes, and he's not been great this season. So I, guess I would that's true. I would be okay if he's just taking Austin Rivers' spot in the rotation, but I just don't see that. I mean, at least Austin Rivers can shoot a three. Yeah, he's streaky, but yeah, he can. He can shoot right, but even when he's like, bit. like when he's. On a bad streak, he shoots Alfred Payton's regular percentage. Right, yeah. From three. So it's, I don't know. And, and the the thing that, uh, that kind of gives me at least a little like confidence in it is the fact that Payton's contract is up after this season. It was only a two-year uh, contract. So. Well, they, they, it was a team option last summer they declined it and then re-signed him for less so he's on a one he's currently on a one year technically but yeah yeah. uh i yeah thank you for the clarification because he was making eight and now he's making like four and a half right yeah yeah so uh cool his contract's up after this year he's he's done like the knicks don't need to bring him back I don't think it's that big of a problem. Yeah, I'm just I'm just worried that Derrick Rose is going to be, as Jerry said, our starting point guard for the next few years, which 
yeah, I'm not excited about that, but I'm also, I just, I don't want to get really, really upset about it until it's official. Because hopefully, I know we're we're used to slandering the Knicks front office as being incompetent, but up until this move, they've done a pretty, this new regime's done a pretty good job. Yeah. And... You know they signed Burks on a one-year reasonable deal. They which Rivers hasn't been great. But we didn't been... talk about that. How the hell did nobody sign Alec Burks? Yeah, he's six been million good for, for years. One year. It's yeah. crazy. And even you know Rivers signed a, th- a three-year, uh, ten million dollar deal with a team option and the th- like. That's criminally. He's not. He's not like. He's a good rotation player, and for him to sign such a a, a a good deal in the team's favor, that's something that I think they'll be able to flip um, for a team that's looking for some extra shooting off the bench in the playoffs. So, um, Phil, I guess my question for you would be, like, what do you think the Knicks' path to a championship looks like? Like it's got to center around RJ. Yeah, I think they got to. Well, I think they have to nail this next draft. Um, I think they have to probably bring back Randall. Um, and if not have him be part of it, then package him with a couple picks and a player for a, a real, real upgrade. And he's been great, yeah. but I think he's also been good enough that he you can now start talking about him as a centerpiece for a legitimately great player if there's if one becomes available. Is it like um, a trade for a good player or a great player? Yes, yeah. But yeah, RJ would be a big part of it. I think I love Mitch, um, and I think he's going to be great in the league and i'd love for them to bring him back i don't necessarily know if he's like a big three uh i don't know if he's like a a top three option on a finals team i think he's like a good defensive anchor for your he's a starting center but i don't know if he's with one of the pieces that's really pushing you to get to the finals so yeah i think it's nailing the draft um Randall Barrett developing and landing a top tier guy in free agency next year. If they can, I think there's one available. I think the Knicks are going to be a Carl Anthony Towns uh, destination. Hmm. They could be. Yeah. I, I think well, that if the, Tibbs is there, though, do you think that's going to happen? That is a good point. I I thought so before, but after. Tib sign here, not anymore. Yeah. It just wouldn't, like, I think uh, Randall is a good pairing with Towns. Um, Towns can space the floor and plays pretty good defense. Uh, And if there are a few less bodies for Randall to run into, I think he'll be even more effective than he already is. Well, the, 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 the other thing to keep in mind is that Randall's been playing point forward this season. He's 
he's he's shooting threes more and he's actually hitting yeah, a decent amount of he's them. Shooting like thirty nine percent, right? He's yeah, and he's averaging, bet- I think, all six or s- less than seven, but more than six assists a game. Yeah, I mean he's and he's he's doing a lot of. Uh, you know, he works at the top of the key and he's running the offense from there. He's kind of, I mean, this is going to sound like total hyperbole, but he's kind of like a, a destitute man's Jokic, the way he's playing right now. He's, he's like point centering it and he's doing okay. He's not terrible at it, but that's a guy that you could pair with a bunch of different types of uh, big men because he he can do the post thing, but he can also stretch the floor if you need him to. So there's a lot of flexibility with his game now. But yeah, Towns I think would be a fun pairing if he could get over his uh, his Tibbs beef. And then we could bring Wiggins in, and we could we could retry this whole thing, you know. Why are you? Why are you a masochist, dude? I don't get it. Just like be. And happy. then we'll take. We could. Well, I guess D'Angelo wasn't there when he was there. No, you, you already got Barrett. You basically have your Wiggins standing. Right Oof! Now. Oh! Oof. <laughs> Yikes! Ooh, you don't believe in wow. RJ, huh? Shot to the jugular. <laughs> Man, I I don't really mean that, but I also kind of mean it. Okay. It's fine. It's fair. I'll, I'll I'll give you that one. Yeah, RJ RJ doesn't look like he's ever going to be a top ten guy in the NBA. Yeah, he probably won't be. But he's a way better. I, I, he's 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 far better than um a lot of analysts give. A lot of analysts just say like he can't shoot. He's not good, and it's clear they don't watch him. Like he's. He's a great transition player. He runs the floor. He gets rebounds. He passes. He's he does a lot of stuff well. And he's he's not a great shooter yet, but he's he's shown enough that he's and he's young enough that he could certainly improve in that in that department. So yeah, I mean the good news the good news for Knicks fans is that like this is the Julius Randle they thought they were getting when they after his year with the Pelicans. Um, or at least it's it's close enough to that player. Like, I think he was still a little bit better with the Pelicans um, than he has been with the Knicks, though defensively it seems like he's taken strides. So He's been much better defensively, yeah. Yeah, so so I, I can... I can see a world in which he's your best player and you're like a playoff team... I just outside of RJ going supernova. I don't know. Rose doesn't feel like it moves the needle in either direction in terms of a championship window. Oh, I wasn't even yeah, I wasn't considering him at all in the conversation. No, I, mean, I think he's, he's just a he's like a we're going to chase the playoffs right now. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. And I guess or at least get the play in the play in yeah, get some experience. Yeah, and and that's that's why I don't think it's a disaster. That's why I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, yeah I I'm not. Disaster, I'm not worried. Yeah, disaster is too much. I I do think that there's a very good chance that like he is the, your stopgap point guard for the next few years. 
uh, as like quickly comes along. But well, it depends how yeah. quickly quickly comes along. Yeah, it also depends on like the free agent market. I, I do think that your path to the Knicks' path to um, you know real contention probably does involve a trade or a big free agent signing. So. Like the the I really like the core of it, or you know the young guys that you have, but unless somebody pops real big in a way that we're not seeing right now, uh, I, I don't know if it's a. And the other a, thing too is Toppin has barely played this season, yeah. so we don't. I don't really know what he's going to be in this league. Right, in the second half of the season, he's going to come surging back in, and my rookie of the year prediction is going to be right. Calling <laughs> it right here. Well, he's he's um. When he's gotten minutes, he looks good, but then Tibbs immediately pulls him out, because, and justifiably most of the time because Randall is better right now. It's just not – so it's hard to get mad that he's not playing. Um, well, but I think they so, could be a little more creative with like putting him at the three or something. So this is, this is one of my criticisms of Tom, Tom Thibodeau. I get that defensively it would probably be a bad look. Uh, and I get that everybody loves Todd Gibson, but we should really be considering giving more minutes to Randall at the center, or like at at the center position, so that we can play Randall and Toppin together. Because I think that that like could be offensive dynamite, even if it like isn't. And, and you know, it's it's a happy little season for the Knicks. You're competitive. You're trying to like uh, make the play-in tournament or even the playoffs. So like, I get that it's like not super attractive to you know try new things and experiment. But you should try new things and experiment. And if that lineup does work, then it looks real cool as like a you know like a little Knicks version of the death lineup kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, Obi's Obi's looked strange, and obviously he's been hurt. And uh, playing as a rookie in a Tibbs system is always tough. But I think the most shocking thing about Obi Toppin so far is that when he's played, he hasn't looked very good. He's just kind of he's just kind of hanging out out there. It doesn't seem like that like <clears throat> huge motor player made it to the NBA yet. Yeah, he's not taking over. He's. Right. I think he's being a little bit too um, deferential to RJ and Randall, and you know, even like Alfred Payton, guys like that. But well, and, and even in terms he, of like, he's he's not fighting for rebounds. He's not out there. Like you can just see him thinking. You can see the wheels turning when he plays. Yeah, and uh, I think part of that is probably that Tibbs is like an extremely cerebral coach. Like, he really wants to drill into the players that, like, you have to do this exact sequence of things in this scenario. And then he will scream at you the entire time you're playing to do those things. Oh, nice! Yeah, so yeah. Th- the nice thing about having brought Todd Gibson back is Todd is willing to say to young players, don't listen to him. He's going to be <laughs> screaming at you, don't listen to him right now. Just play your game. <laughs> Uh, which I love I, Taj. Yeah, Taj is great, dude. I, I'm glad. I'm glad we're all on the Taj train. He's he's one of my like, he's one of my all time favorite role players. Yeah, he's impossible to not like. 
It's true. Yeah, he's just he's really good. He tries really hard. He's like great in the community. He's a really nice guy. Awesome teammate. Can't say anything bad about Todd Gibson. And for like two seasons, there was like a defensive player of the year conversation type guy, which good for good for Taj. He made yeah. one heck of a career uh, for himself. So I, I don't know. I guess know. the one, just to real quick, the one thing I'll say about uh, Toppin though is the the one the big knock on him coming into the draft was that he's a dumpster fire defensively, and he he hasn't looked he hasn't looked horrible defensively, um, which is pleasing to see but he you know we've almost seen none of his uh post game that he's was supposed to be the his bread and butter well it's interesting he's shooting a lot of threes and not yeah as you said just sort of floating around on offense yeah even when he makes it into the post he's just he looks scared i guess is the way i'd phrase it he looks nervous and uh he like so Obi Toppin is one of my favorite prospects of the last couple of years. And it's mostly because when he plays basketball, he just looks like he's having so much fun. He just plays it so joyously. He's out there. He's just running around, trying really hard. And that's not the player who's playing for the New York Knicks right now. He looks really cautious. He looks nervous. So maybe that just improves with time. Maybe that improves with some veterans telling him to take Tibbs less seriously. But I don't know. I... Jerry will tell you, I always thought that the people who criticized his defense in college never watched him play because, like, the things that were said about him were absolutely asinine. Like, it, the, well, they would they they called him dumb. Like, he, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't try. He's dumb. He doesn't get it. He's he he's a smart player. Like, he may any he, he makes a lot of hustle plays. May some of them aren't, uh, you know the right move at the time but he's out he's really i love his energy he's just yeah he's, he's got to get a little still need to figure it out yeah he's he's got to loosen up a little bit yeah so hopefully that happens i'd love to watch obi toppin have a long productive career i really like obi toppin and his game uh, uh but you also think he's not a four right you think he's like a three i yeah i sort of suspect that he's not really a big man um well he's basically taken I mean, he he's taken all of uh, Kevin Knox. Knox is now out of the rotation entirely, yeah. and he's sort of filling in that role that he he was playing, which is yeah, stretch stretch uh, three four off the bench. Well, and you know, one of the other things that's interesting about Toppin is Tibbs actually seems to like him. Like all the reports are that Tibbs yeah. really respects Obi Toppin and likes having him on the team. He's also one of those. He's a great like uh, bench cheerleader guy. Oh, yeah. He's he's always he's just always uh, hooting and hollering. It's fun to see, dude. Uh, it's so hard not to root for Obi Toppin. I have no idea. I'm sure there are people out there who hate him. Those people are insane. That guy, that kid is like, I don't know. He's so likable. I remember yeah. s- sending a video to Jerry where Obi Toppin in the draft like you know, lead up to it. He was being interviewed by like some small channel and he was just like, yeah, you know, I'd, I've just, I've dreamed of this moment so long and I'm just so excited to like get in there and I don't really care if I start. I don't care. I just, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to 
play. I want to make friends that are last a lifetime. I want to like have experiences that it's just like, oh my god, I just want this kid to succeed. <laughs> so I, I hope he gets it. Um, and between him, quickly and Barrett, it's a very uh, lovable young core there, right? Yeah, and the, and the Knicks Mitch are lovable for the first time. Yeah, good job, good job, Knicks. Well, they for the you know, I think you you last week asked why if the league uh, rigs the draft to benefit the league, why don't they give it to the Knicks? Well, the Knicks haven't up until like four years ago, the Knicks had not owned their first round pick for like twelve years, right? So they they sort of took themselves out of the running. And I hate to, I know no one's going to like me spitting this fact, but the guy that put out that fire of selling every first round pick that we own was Phil Jackson. He was the guy that was like, we're not doing that anymore. I'm sorry, James Dolan. We're, we're not going to get, you know, Penny Hardaway on his 35th birthday for two first round picks because you're, antsy we're going to save our first round picks and use them to draft guys like frank milikina i love frank that was the wrong move but he at least saved the picks and stopped this uh lottery debt that we were seem to be in for decades on end so was frank the fifth overall pick eighth, no he was the eighth eighth the eighth pick yeah Shea would look real good in the Knicks right now. Ugh. That was the pick. That was the draft after. That was the was Knox it? draft, I think. Well, I stand we by passed what on I... yeah. <laughs> Jr. and Donovan Mitchell for Nilakina. Yeah, I mean... and it was funny because everyone got mad at us for not picking DSJ, and then the second we traded for him, they're like, "You guys are idiots. DSJ sucks." <laughs> Can't win. Oh, dude. You remember when uh you remember when with the sixteenth pick that season we drafted Justin Patton? I Oh Tibbs. Yeah, Such a disaster. Tibbs, my sweet imagine, summer child. Imagine how good OG Ananobi would be on our imagine team. Imagine right how good now. John Collins would be on our team. Yeah, okay. That one's better. Even better. Was that that draft? It was three picks later. I was like weeping i wanted us to take john collins so bad honestly though most of what i was upset about was the fact that regardless of the fact that we didn't take the guy i liked we took a center we already yeah, had we, carl towns we had carl we didn't just have carl Anthony we, had towns. we had carl Anthony towns we had gorgie jang and we were about to sign taj gibson like <laughs> signing a center in that situation or like drafting a center in that situation is just Drafting an injured center. Oh, Tibbs. Such a... It was... Such a... I, it immediately made me feel less good about the Jimmy Butler trade to begin with. Because oh, I was yeah. like... When it initially happened, I was like, I hate to see Zach go. It is crazy that we got a pick back. Yeah, and then, I, I remember that too. I was like, hey, good good for them. Well, and then we and immediately then wasted it. Immediately set, set the pick on fire. And it's like, okay, well... We didn't actually get a pick back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. And then did you end up did you guys end up having to spend assets to dump him or did he did he just get waived and 
he got waived. He yeah. did, he he was in the league for two years. I think statistically speaking, he was the worst player taken in the entire draft in terms of like production. Uh, it dep- I guess it depends on how you measured it because like Josh Jackson has played way more minutes and he's been as bad in those minutes as Patton was. So like he's he's accumulated more badness, but like on a win shares per forty eight metric or something, maybe Patton's the worst. I still think probably not, because like yeah, Dennis Smith was in that draft, Josh Jackson was in that draft, Swanee was in that draft. Swanigan, yeah, Caleb, yeah, yeah, lots of lots of really bad players. Uh, Markel Fultz. Oh, that poor guy. Cannot catch a break. Yeah. Well, at least he got paid. Speaking of guys who can't catch a break, uh, Malik Beasley sentenced 120 days in the Hennepin County workhouse with work release and home confinement option to be served at the end of the season. Uh, yeah. Good, good times. Being rich in this country continues to just benefit people immensely. You know, whenever I play Frostpunk, I always prefer the workhouse to the prison because it means that your, you know, <laughs> delinquents still give you like some extra production. It's very. That's very a reference that uh, I don't think very many people in our audience will understand. I don't understand it. Do you take the amputation route, or do you... Guys, (laughs) this is dead air. (laughs) We might as well not be talking. We might might attract a new brand of fans. (laughs) Yeah, the guys who have made it two hours and ten minutes into the podcast, waiting for Frostpunk references, yeah. We, I can see the co- I can see the comments lighting up now. Like, yeah, <laughs> more, more frost punk talk. We have roughly thirteen unique listeners per episode at this point, and one of them's got to be huge into frost punk. So, never mind. Go ahead, Jerry. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do the uh, the I don't do the amputations. I, I, I prefer um to, you know. So Malik Beasley less uh, less radical path pointed a yeah. gun at a family. Uh, and, uh, yeah, at the end of the season, he'll hang out in a workhouse for four months. So good for him. Justice has been served. Uh, no suspension from the NBA announced yet, it sounds like, but I believe in the CBA for even plea bargains, there's a minimum of 10 games. So, uh, Beasley will lose roughly, uh, one seventh of his salary for the season based on this and season uh yeah will be suspended for a few weeks has that been announced the suspension nope or? not yet but uh like i said i think that is the minimum so they might even go more uh they might just ignore it because you know <clears throat> who cares yeah all he did was point a gun at somebody it doesn't matter man especially he's he was in his contract year i mean he still got paid. He still got paid, as if it didn't happen. As if it uh, didn't happen. But could could he get? Could he have gotten more? 
I think this is about the amount that he w- he was going to get if he hadn't uh, done what he did. Um, I but maybe he could have gotten more. But uh, this was like sort of the you know the the upper the around the amount that like I think most people thought he was going to get. Before, yeah, in the, uh, in the off season before this happened, like fifteen was what we were all discussing. Is like that would be, I guess that's justifiable. You could justify that number. Yeah, which did make the fact that he got fifteen after the situation sort of like a surprise and also a pretty enormous like show of faith for the wolves. Though I guess, like, if you're the Wolves, what are you? What else are you gonna do? Yep. Because they gave up a pick to get him, didn't they? Him and Wancho. And Vanderbilt. Oh, okay. I imagine it was like a pick in the low twenties. So high value. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, to get three, to get three, two, two. Well, to take a swing on to take a swing on three pieces like that is, if you hit on one of them, it's worth it. And it does look like they hit pretty hard on Beasley. So. Yep, yep. Beasley's a productive player. Um, And then uh, I think uh, last story for the day sounds like Marv Albert going to be announcing his retirement sometime soon. Uh, He said that it's on the horizon. I think we've all. I don't know. I don't want to speak for anybody else, but it I can't imagine that folks who watch Marv Albert think that he should still be doing this job. He doesn't know any of the players' names and Chris Webber at this point doesn't even correct him on anything. And just when Marv Albert says that Scottie Pippen did something, Chris Webber just goes, "Yeah, Marv, well, it's it's an exciting it's an exciting game." And then they move on. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, admittedly, I haven't watched a whole lot of Marv Albert. Does he really think that's, like, mistake players for, like, Scottie Pippen? Or is no, that not, like not Scottie Pippen. He just says the the wrong player. He says the wrong name, yeah. Okay. all right. Because, like, that and, would be, like, another degree of, like, oof, elder abuse and, going on right well, now. Well, and very, very often he will say the wrong team scored or, yeah, I've seen it a lot. But also, I mean... Marv was the Knicks guy back in the in the nineties, and he he was the Mike Breen before Mike Breen. So I, <laughs> I don't. I was, he he was he was the NBA go to uh, announcer before Breen before Breen was. So I I always liked Marv, but yeah, it's uh, he's had a great career. And... That's interesting. Harlan was was ours, and now he's like a big. He's like the Marv Albert clone. I didn't didn't realize we had this connection. I don't know how Marv Albert. So, I I don't know how Marv Albert still has a career. Like apart from the, apart from the fact that he's you know, uh, like terrible at his job now. I think that's fair, right? Uh, uh yeah. I mean, but it's it's like the voice, right? Uh. I remember once, this is not a Marv Albert story, but this is like the type of thing that you just hear every time Marv Albert commentates. The Twins had an announcer who was way over the hill. Their old radio announcer was a guy named John Gordon. And uh, Gordon had the voice too. Just an awesome voice. Great, 
announcer back in the day, but he was just too old to be doing it. Didn't know what the heck was happening anymore. And uh, I'll never forget, I was listening to a uh, radio broadcast on my way. I think I was maybe driving to Jerry's house, but I was in my car driving through our hometown. And uh, and Gordo says, oh, Tori Hunter, it's a long, long ball. The, the fielder's going back, back, caught at the second base. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Or it was you caught by the shortstop. That's what it was. <laughs> oh, Gordo. <laughs> Just confused, man. Well. Yeah, I don't... I just... he's He's been there forever, and it hasn't been pretty the last couple of years, but... Yes! Uh, it counts! And the foul. That's what I remember. Just over and over good, again. It's a good mark. Well, his son, have you, are you guys familiar with Kenny? No. Who sounds a lot like him, but he's got more of that frog in his throat sound than his dad does. He's like, it's like even more amplified. It's He's good, though. Hmm. Kenny's good. Well, good. Great. I hope yeah. he. Uh, I hope my he dad. My dad always preferred Kenny to Breen because he, he always referred to Mike Breen as a, a Mormon. <laughs> oh my god! He's too. Wow. He was too uh, too wholesome for oh. my dad. <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> what did not? That did not go in the direction. No. What a Cur- weird curveball. Yeah. I. I think he just got sick of all of his. Um, his praising of stars of the other teams just whenever like, they'd come into the garden. Why do the Mormons need to catch a stray? <laughs> what the heck? That's just the term he used. God love him. I just goodness made gracious. Me laugh, made me laugh though. It's fucking Mormon. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're love about you, to dad. Get, miss you. We're about to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Pour one out. <laughs> oh god what if the mormons are right and he like gets up there and he meets joe smith or john smith pardon me not joe smith i sound like Marv i don't Albert. think it's john it's not john smith either joseph smith yeah. joseph smith oh okay it was joe smith let's keep let's stick with joe smith then i'll edit it out don't worry about it it'll be fine uh <laughs> i'm not worried about he gets up there he meets joseph smith and joseph's like you know we're a big fan of mike breen <laughs> well, my dad was an atheist, so he he'd probably tell them to go fuck themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got the go fuck yourself uh yeah. neck tattoo. Yeah, neck tattoo. Fuck you, Joseph Smith. Alright, this is the by far the most explicit episode we've ever done. <laughs> I think we're gonna call it here. Uh Jerry, do you have any closing thoughts for the listeners who have been kind enough, given us two and a half hours? Of their day? No. All right, good. Phil, any thoughts for the folks at home? Uh, if you were upset by my my dad's words, I apologize, but uh, he was a good guy, and I miss him, and uh, thanks for listening. Wow, that's also not the direction I thought that was going to go. 
All right. Well, this has been just a show full of surprises. Have a great day. Stay safe, everybody. And uh, hopefully somebody will replace Marv Albert soon. Stay frosty. Stay frosty. Yes! Yes!